lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Hey, greetings. Day two here live uh, from the Blaze TV studios in Dallas. Steve Dace here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. I'm going to warn you up front. Some guy sent me an email today that I start too many segments by using the word and. I'm going to friggin' start every segment for the next 10 years with the word and after getting that email. How you like them apples? All right. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Yes. It's going to be a day like that. Yes. You will too. Because it's true. Yeah, I will. I will too. I, I, in fact, I'm going to have Todd make sure he keeps track. Did we start that segment with the word and? And if we didn't, even here live, we will go back, replay the music, and start all over again. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. At Steve Dace Show, if you're looking for clips of this show that you can sample and then share with others, uh, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. You've heard Todd Erzin already. Aaron McIntyre is there. He is fired up, folks. You need to know that right now. Here's the thing, too. Here's what you guys don't know about Aaron. See, the pre yesterday, I didn't get any sleep the night before. Today, I, I actually got some sleep today. So, um, Aaron, huh. how many cups of coffee do you have before we go on the air? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, like That's the laugh of a guy that just got his pants pulled down. Yeah, See, no. what you guys don't know, what you don't know is this is Aaron after like a pot and a half. That, he's that's not. how much he has put down before I even get in. He's not exaggerating, folks. He's not exaggerating. No. So imagine what Aaron is like before the caffeine hits, right? <laughs> Sarah Gonzalez is here with us in studio. She's going to be joining us for the Dace Group as well. Good to see you, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. I've only had one cup of coffee, you though. Have, yeah, I, I can't have caffeine anymore. I went way overboard, ended up in the hospital, thought I was having a heart attack. It was just that I drank too much caffeine. Oh, and, no. And I haven't had any since April 23rd, especially after all the, of last year, especially after all the needles. You know, a 45-year-old man goes into the hospital and says, I think I'm having a heart attack. Yeah. Five orderlies jumped me. Nine needles went in me. They put the IV not in my my wrist and my bicep, but still bruised. Uh, so I just decided I'm not drinking any caffeine anymore, just so I don't ever have to do that again. I don't blame you for that at all. So that's where we are. All and right, it turns out you're just Friday. the same. It turns out you're just the same psychopath with or without caffeine. That's right. That, that's true. You, you didn't notice a difference whether I nope. was still drinking as many Coke Zeros as Stu does or not. There wasn't a difference. Right. Exactly. All right. So we've got what feedback Friday coming up your way here uh, next hour. Uh, but before we get all of that underway, there's a reason Sarah's here. It is time for the day group. Your weekly look at the week that was brought to you by Home Title Lock. When your life is in chaos, your home needs to be your safe haven and your most important asset. But do you actually own it? Don't be so sure. Imagine getting evicted for non-payment of a loan that you never took out on your home. It is happening everywhere, and it's called home title theft. And the FBI is calling it one of the fastest growing crimes in the country. It's why I urge you to get Home Title Lock, because your home's legal title is kept online, and thieves know it, so they'll forge your signature on your home's title, and that's it. They can legally own it and then take out loans on it. Your bank doesn't cover you. Neither does your insurance. The only way I know to avoid this nightmare and possible eviction is with Home Title Lock. So go to its website, HomeTitleLock.com, and register your address to see if you're already a victim. And then use the promo code Steve for 30 free days of protection to help get you through this crisis. All right? 30 free days of protection for the biggest investment and most important asset most Americans will ever own, their own home. Again, uh, promo code Steve at Home. 
HomeTitleLock.com. Our weekly look at the week that was begins with issue one, Bleep Democrats Say. Why has this become almost a political issue? It's a safety issue, and you can choose or not choose to follow those guidance, that guidance. But it seems in some areas that this has become a red-blue issue, or uh, some people falsely claiming that it's a matter of their rights as an American not to. You have no constitutional right to endanger the public and spread the disease, even if you disagree. You have no right not to be vaccinated. You have no right not to wear a mask. You have no right to open up your business. Wait, can I stop you? No right not to be vaccinated? Meaning, if they decide you have to be vaccinated, we have to be vaccinated? Absolutely. And if you refuse to be vaccinated, the state has the power to literally take you to a doctor's office and plunge a needle into your arm. If there is any silver lining in the midst of this terrible, terrible and unprecedented moment in American history in terms of the economy in terms of the pandemic it is that maybe we start rethinking some fundamental tenets about the way our government and society works first of all is it true that when you were having the test administered you inhaled and the doctor's finger went all the way up your nose and got stuck and had to be released with a tool is that true in this pandemic you can remake the world as it should be to see COVID-19 as a force majeure that compels us to rewrite the social contract that's been scrambled by nature's fury and human failures. You can set the terms for an economy, healthcare system, education system, immigration system, and a justice system that uplifts more people of every race, gender, and generation. Is it true that this was the swab that the nurse was actually using on you and that at first it went into your nose and disappeared so that in scale, this was the actual swab that was being used to fit up that double-barrel shotgun that you have mounted on the front of your pretty face. Anyone who wants to ask why did the state uh, do that with COVID patients in nursing home, it's because the state followed President Trump's CDC guidance. So they should ask President Trump. This is a, a, a scandal, an invented scandal that President, oh, uh, President Trump, excuse me, doesn't even understand understand himself. We talked about this yesterday, Nicole, of China really seeming to do the diplomacy better than America at this stage. I've said before, I'm going to say again, we are not opening our beaches on Memorial Day. We are not opening our beaches in the near term. It is not safe. We're going to create a new bio-based multi-manufacturing job environment to deal farmers in on the benefits of a changing economy. Every player, unless they're from the same same household has to bring their own tennis balls so that you don't touch other people's tennis balls um, with your hands. You can kick their balls, but you can't touch them. To avoid confusion between whose balls are whose, you can use a marker, like a Sharpie, to mark out to put an X or put someone's initials on them. (laughs) Even Sarah at this point feels kicked in the balls. What's a better video, that one or the one where they, where they, because this, these are the kinds of pranks I did in high school. What's a, what's a better video, that or the one where the Mississippi governor's doing the virtual commencement and he reads out, 
Uh, somebody slipped him the name Harry Asscrack. I mean, what, what's a better one? That, that video is incredible. I even said that to my kids. That's how good it is. All right. Let's get to the first question. Uh, what was your favorite slice of the fruitcake this week? And since you're the guest, you get to go first, Sarah. I mean, I can't not say the tennis balls, the tennis balls clip, I have to say. But I do have to just add in there that the Cuomo brothers, very close second. I can't tolerate this yucking it up on state TV, which is what CNN is now. Uh, the idea that Chris Cuomo should be on television interviewing his brother is just such a blatant media malpractice at a time where his brother is under fire, by the way, mm-hmm. for you know basically signing a death warrant for over 4,000 people in nursing homes. That's not the time that you want to be bringing him on CNN to have some sort of a comedy sketch with his brother. It's just disgusting, quite frankly. Totally agree. Todd, what do you think? Well, I, a couple of them there are very personal to me. It's why I have catchphrases surrounding them. The Cuomo's, I, I, this is why journalism is magical and not at all broken. The obscene double standard, I mean, I... I makes you utterly speechless. So I'm going to leave it there. Obviously, with Dershowitz and vaccination, you know where I stand on this. Come at me, bro. Just try to do that to my kids. It's over for you. I promise you. But I I have to agree with Sarah on the tennis balls. And here's why. (laughs) These people are legion at every level of government. They sat in rooms together and conceived this as smart and rational and were very important and were watchers on this wall. And Mm -hmm. they are dumb as dirt. And we let them control our lives all the time. And once again, if you allow this going forward, it's really a you problem. It's it's the laugh track right now. We're going to enjoy it here on Friday. But the rest of our lives, that, that's always mucking around with who you are, where you can go, what you can do. It's not just a coronavirus thing. You got to start making sure that you're the people in those chairs instead of that damn fool. Well said again, Aaron. So yeah, the, uh, the 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 tennis balls thing. Uh, I mean, we're all going to have our own little, I think, separate perspectives on this. Just that's a, such a, a fitting end to the beginning of the end of this coronavirus tyranny, pandemic, uh, panic, porn, whatever you want to call it. The the perfect ending is that our rights and our ability to go live our lives were taken away in a Thanos snap. But to get them back, we have to have the Nassau County, New York uh, Department of Pandemia's sub-department on tennis and subcommittee on tennis ball handling, I'm sorry, on ball handling, to tell us how we can get our liberties back. That is the perfect, the perfect ending for all of this, if you don't, uh, if, if, if you, you know, don't uh, count all of the, uh, all of the other uh, you know, examples of, of petty tyranny around the country as well. I felt like Alec Baldwin was going to show up there and start uh, honking his sweaty balls. Some sweaty you know? balls. Uh, that's, that, was, that was the only thing that could have made that better. Unfortunately, the best bleep Democrats. I love said, your tennis balls. Yeah. Uh, the, the best bleep Democrats say this week wasn't even on the montage because it broke this morning after I could actually I know. put it in. Yep, yep. It's Joe Biden going on the Breakfast yes. Club with yeah. Charlemagne the God <laughs> and saying uh, to, to Charlemagne the God, uh, if you're confused, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I'm, I'm pretty close to the quote, if you're confused about whether or not to vote for me or vote for Trump, you ain't really black. 
It's the movie Airplane. Yes, stewardess, I speak jive. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that is... <laughs> I cannot think of a more fitting eulogy for the American left's race baiting than an almost 80-year-old man, white man, friend to segregationists, riddled with dementia, going on the show of a black man and, and claiming that he is the benchmark for who is and isn't black. That's a golf clap. That, that, that is every, every show like this or, or network like this that the American right has produced over the last, what did Rush Limbaugh debut, 1988? So, so for the last 32 years, everything the, that conservative media has said about the left and race baiting is all confirmed in that one clip by Joe Biden. Well, the math Everything. is airtight. You get to choose whatever gender you want to, but Joe gets to choose your race for you. I think it adds up. All right, you guys need to stop. All right. Save some chicks for the rest of us, bro. All right. Exit question. On a scale of one to ten, with one being as reliable as Lindsey Graham's numerous promises to Sean Hannity to get to the bottom of the deep state, I believe this is the 28th. The 28th time he has gone on the Sean Hannity show on Fox News the last few years, vowing to get to the bottom of this. Inspector Clouseau himself. And 10 being as definite as Lindsey Gramnesty's preference for illegal aliens over actual Americans. Rate this week's level of total depravity, Sarah. I mean, I, I, I always want to say 10 when I'm listening to the Democrats speak, but I feel like I always have to give them a little bit of room to go just a little bit dumber. You're, you're, you're going to be a mom here again soon, right? Yes. So you got you to, you know, you know, you need to give people room to grow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, they aim high and I got to give it to them. They do aim high, unfortunately fall a little bit below. Uh, I'll give them a nine just based on the fact that, you know, I know I mentioned the media malpractice that's going on, but especially when you look at the Cuomo brothers uh, at a time where President Trump, Everyone is telling us the narrative is supposed to be that we're supposed to be upset that President Trump is taking a medication that his doctor prescribed. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's supposed to be some somehow the narrative when all of this media malpractice is going on, when all of these states are, you know, totally uh, being kings and queens of the people, of the peasants who are shut in their homes. I think any enemy of the people is just too soft on on these people and so when i saw i saw the cuomo brothers and i saw cnn and i was just like i can't i cannot take I, it i anymore. can't do anymore it's a nine. with the cuomos man no i can't i can't do i can't do it anymore i feel the vomit coming up in yes. my mouth a little mm -hmm. bit when i watch it todd what's your rating this week's intercourse is a strong 10 <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right aaron it's a 10 Let's get to issue two. Uh, this is the segment I've been waiting for. <laughs> Turns out, it's just like the flu, after all. There have been a plethora of new studies out regarding the actual case fatality rate of COVID-19. We were originally told by Dr. Anthony Fauci. I think if you count all the cases of minimally symptomatic or asymptomatic infection, that probably brings the mortality rate down to somewhere around 1%, which means it is 10 times more lethal than the seasonal flu. It means that for every 1,000 people who catch a seasonal influenza, one person will die. So how does COVID-19 compare to the actual seasonal flu? Yesterday, the CDC released data saying the fatality rate of symptomatic cases is around 0.4%. That's four times more deadly than the seasonal flu. It is 10 times 
more lethal than the seasonal flu. This week, Oxford University epidemiologist Sunetra Gupta stated her research shows COVID-19 has an infection fatality rate of between 0.1% and 0.01%, meaning COVID-19 is on par with or 10 times less deadly than the average seasonal flu. It is 10 times more lethal than the seasonal flu. A new preprint study of COVID-19 from Stanford epidemiologist Dr. John Ioannidis claims the infection fatality rate of COVID-19 is somewhere between 0.03 to 0.5%, meaning COVID-19 is six times less deadly to five times more deadly than the seasonal flu. It is 10 times more lethal than the seasonal flu. Those are just three sets of data from this week alone, not even stratifying for what the infection fatality rate is for those under the age of 65. Even if all this data is wrong, it's all wrong in the same direction. That was an excellent summation, Aaron. And I just want to add some further context to what you just said there in your intro, because right before we went on the air, I just got off the phone with our good friend Daniel Horowitz, and we were going through some of this data. And if you want to reconcile the what what's the difference between Sunitre Gupta, who, by the way, she was the epidemiologist at Oxford who called BS on the Imperial College survey the week after it came out. If you want to, if you're trying to reconcile what she is saying about IFR and CFR to even what the new CDC data is saying, where, where she thinks it's a, it's essentially her numbers are a seasonal flu, and the CFR and, and, and what the CDC is saying, well, it's not as bad as we thought, but it's still four times worse. Here's the difference. This is very important, the, the, by the way. Yeah. The, 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 C, the, C, the CDC is not including asymptomatic cases. Yep. All the antibody studies are not included in the CDC data. She is. When you include, and so, Sarah, you and I were talking about this on the news and why it matters yesterday, Mm -hmm. and I was trying to come up with trying to give Greg Abbott some benefit of the doubt. Why would your state here in Texas be counting antibodies with cases? And the only rationale that I could come up with is if they were smart enough to think about this, and I don't know your governor well enough to know if he is. The one way you would do this is... If I count asymptomatic, and, and antibo- which is what an antibody test right. is, or, or, or post-symptomatic, right. if I count that into my case file, then that makes the IFR and the CFR, that drops it even lower. That, that shows that it's even safer to go out. It's even safer to resume your mm-hmm. life. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, and so the CDC, by the way, now, now you're getting, now we're, but we are starting to get the data from them now that they weren't giving us this entire time. I'm sure it's coincidental that it happened after there were tongues wagging on Wednesday that Rob Robert Redfield of the CDC was going to get canned. And all of a sudden, in the last 24 hours now, they want to give us the data from our country that we've been able to get from other countries all along. Hmm. I'm sure that's a coincidence. But that's the difference. And Sunitra Gupta's numbers and what our CDC is saying, they're not counting all of the antibody case studies that are out there. If you run the numbers... For all the antibody studies that we have out there, you know what you end up with? Daniel and I were just doing this right before I went on the air. If you run the math, when did John Ioannidis' uh, original white paper come out that was peer-reviewed? Do you remember the date, Aaron? Was that like March 23rd or something like that? It was the end of March, early April. I think I want to say it was March 23rd. It's the exact number in his white paper from March the 23rd, folks, is if you run those numbers with what the CDC is finally telling us, but you start including seroprevalency studies and antibody studies from around the country and you do that math, because again, we're not doing science now. We're not doing that. We're not the one taking the results. We're doing 
doing the math of the results they're giving us. If you run that math, you end up with exactly what John Ioannidis forecasted in the peer-reviewed white paper at, from Stanford University on March 23rd, saying these lockdowns were dumb, these lockdowns were silly, we don't have the right data to be doing this. And in fact, when I run the data as the chief epidemiologist at Stanford University, when, and, and, the, and, the, and the chief of, 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 of what's, what's the other title he has? Chief of Public Health, I think is what he has there. When I run those numbers, what I come up with is something that is right a little below or a little above the really bad flu season we had in 2018. Your thoughts on that, Todd? You get to go first this time. Well, this is why I keep getting more and more angry. The writer and writer we get. We knew based on what was coming out of China, and there was a lot to doubt, but nobody at the beginning was doubting the demographics of this thing as it applied to age. We, we even knew that before it came here. The, the fact that the, the young, it hardly hit them at all. The working class, it hardly hit them at all. And that age, whatever, we went 60, yeah, 60. all the dead grocery store workers and Walmart workers <laughs> yes. and Lowe's workers and Menards workers all yep. over America? Where's all the dead postal workers? Where's all the dead truck drivers? Where's all the dead people that had, non, that had essential jobs for the last two months? Why are we not pulling body bags out of where they've been working, Todd? Right. And that was the, I can't tell you what, for me, it, it informed everything uh, I've believed about this, and I know a lot about this before this, as we've talked about, because of my research on uh, vaccination before we ever heard of a coronavirus. But we got the best possible pandemic we could have ever hoped for to plow forward and provide a best case scenario for us. And we know this with the modeling now and comparing Sweden and Georgia and Florida, other places, and how lockdowns, there is no significant impact whatever from choosing the lockdowns. And it must bring us back to this after this, if nothing else. The fact that uh, in the Western world of science, science so easily drifts into scientism because you really don't you have the luxury of not having to worry about real science like you do i don't uh, i don't the oxford scientist i don't know if she was born in england or but she looks to be at least her heritage is from india or something like that tell you it, it's not a surprise that a lot of people uh, uh like that have a different view on this because they don't have the luxury of scientism they have people in, in countries like india where the, Stuff mm-hmm. like this is serious. It will, will wipe poor, yeah, impoverished. They live with this stuff every day. Yes, yeah. but here yeah. in our ivory towers, it's amazing. The people still uh, uh, getting the paychecks. They're just making stuff up, quite frankly. While the the people who have lost their paychecks are at home in despair, drifting into addiction, into suicide. It is appalling. It was appalling at the beginning when we tried this, and it's worse and worse every single day that we don't acknowledge that we basically been practicing the equivalent of witchcraft in many cases. Sarah, your thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree uh, with Todd's point that if, if 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 nothing else, this just should point out the severe flaws within the scientific community of the United States because, you know, you're looking at 
let's say, I mean, you were leading the forefront on this, Steve. Um, you know, I was I was right along with you, as were, you know, many others. But none of us are scientists. And it didn't take a scientist to say when this came to the United States, based off of what we were seeing, it did not take a scientist to say, OK, these numbers that you're telling us are skewed, mm-hmm. obviously, because the only people who are getting tested are the people who are showing up already sick. You're not taking into account the fact that you've already told us what 80 percent of the population is going to get it. We're well, not telling us we're all going to die from it. Exactly. Which means a lot of us are going to be asymptomatic, which means we're not going to go to the freaking hospital and get a test. So you're not going to know that we have it. It didn't take a scientist to figure these things out. Mm-hmm. Yet we continually turned to the scientist to tell us all of this, as you call it, panic porn about how everyone was going to die. And if you look at it, I know it's taboo to say it's basically a bad flu. That's basically when you look at it in hindsight, it's exactly what we were saying. It is a bad flu. And instead of just protecting the people who were most at risk, a tiny subset of the population, which we could have much more easily done, we decided to devastate a global economy. It is just I mean, it has to go down in history as one of the dumbest failures of a government in the history of government. Preach. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean no social distancing measures. When I say we didn't right. have to do this in mass as a society, we didn't. Right. But you look at somebody, is it Glenn that has autoimmune issues, yes. for example? The way that this particular strain attacks people is not as generic or the way it does in other situations. So there would have been people that would have still needed on an individual basis, of course. even if they were otherwise younger or healthier, that would have had to take different measures than they would do mm-hmm. if the flu was just going around. Mm-hmm. So let, yeah, but, but, but the choice that was made here, which was a colossal lockdown or we actually try to target people that are vulnerable the, and, and the story that the AP now has out today, this is the Associated Press and Aaron now the Associated Press is saying it was over 4,000 in New York State alone, it was over 4,000 COVID-19 positive patients that were that were treated at hospitals and discharged that Governor Cuomo demanded that the state's nursing homes uh, reinstitute into their populations, anybody knows anything about nursing homes anyway, average lifespan in an American nursing home is less than a year, everybody goes a lot of people, everybody goes in there old. A lot of people get sick. The community spreads impossible to stop. So once something gets in, it runs its course. So already that's not a place to live a long life. You put 4,000 of those people back into those nursing homes with that community spread. And the reason that he did it and the reason that Whitmer did it and the reason Wolf did it and these other governors did it is because the IHME model told them they had to do it because their hospitals were going to be overrun. It told Governor Cuomo he was going to need 160,000 hospital beds. And, and the state that was hurt the absolute worst by this pandemic never needed more than 19,000 they're off by several magnitude there the, the, the people that did these models they're the ones that created this they created a self-fulfilling prophecy mm-hmm. those people ought to start going to prison in my view yes absolutely i mean this is this is criminal uh, and that's to put it as uh, mildly, absolutely mildly as possible. And it's part of, of two things I want to emphasize. The CDC numbers that we've been talking about, I, I think this needs to be emphasized even more. You hit on a little bit. This is just symptomatic cases just symptomatic cases of COVID-19 that the CDC is basing this 0.4% uh, infection fatality rate off of. We had that story earlier this week from The Atlantic regarding, oh, how could the CDC do this? Pulling both the uh, serolo- serological tests and the confirmed cases together. Those are two, those are almost apples a- and oranges, uh, but they can, in a, a way, you can uh, you can 
give yourself a snapshot in time if you combine those two factors together to to kind of stratify what what the overall picture on the ground is like. And it was largely a, a non-story, but here's here's what this actually means. The symptomatic cases that's not all of the cases. That needs to be that needs to be uh, underscored here. Symptomatic is just a tiny percentage of all of the cases. In some cases as well, and that is the other thing. There's another thing that I want to emphasize as well. The overall, the 0.4 percent. Uh, IFR that they're talking about. That's overall. That's not talking about those under the age of 65. And according to the CDC, these are just symptomatic cases, uh, not taking into account apparently serological uh, studies. Uh, From ages 0 to 49, the IFR, that's the infection fatality rate, that is 0.05% of just symptomatic cases. We now were you know told, why they've not been given us We were data. told over and over and badgered and demagogued to death that, it's, uh, that, it, that if you want to keep working, if you want your life to continue, if you don't want to shut down the economy, if you don't want all of these side effects, if you just want to pump the brakes on the shutdowns just a little bit, you hate grandma and grandpa. This mm-hmm. actually posed little risk to most of us. There are, of course, cases. You just mentioned some of the outlier cases. There are lots, you know, there, there are a few of those that, uh, you know, otherwise healthy people struggle with this more than others, but the vast majority of people it posed very little risk to. And the people that we were told that this was to save, they were the ones, as you just mentioned, in New York, that's, uh, that's the, 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 the prime example. They were the ones that were hardest hit. The injustice, the criminal injustice of all of this should be making every single American extremely angry. And that is about as mildly as I can put it. Mm. Great analysis, Aaron. By the way, one last thing, too, on remember the antibody test. None of them have included children. Mm. They're one fifth of the population. So when you put another one fifth of the population in there, you start again, the CFR and the IFR, it dwindles all the more. More in a moment. So you know how much uh, our food has been stripped of a lot of the vitamins, nutrients, cultures, you know, live organisms that we need in order to be mass produced and have a long shelf life. So we're taking uh, tons of supplements nowadays. Same thing goes for our pets as well. Uh, And that's why you want to check out Rough Greens VitaSmart. It is not a dog food, but it is a premium dog food supplement. And apparently it tastes great because our dog Cap absolutely, absolutely loves this stuff. And it's loaded with vitamins, nutrients, digestive enzymes, probiotics, prebiotics, kinds of stuff that helps with joint health, healthy skin and coat, mobility energy level. So here's what they want to do. They want to offer you at Rough Greens a 14-day jumpstart challenge to help your pet thrive and feel better than ever before. It's just $14.95. If you want to give it a shot, go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. It's R-U-F-F is how they spell it. At roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's roughgreens.com slash blaze. Let's get to issue three, the reopening. 
On March 27th, the New York Times published an op-ed entitled The Road to Coronavirus Hell Was Paved by Evangelicals. This morning, the Washington Post published an op-ed entitled What's Really Behind Republicans Wanting a Swift Reopening? Evangelicals. Regardless of whether evangelicals deserve all the credit for getting us to coronavirus hell or reopening heaven, states really are starting to open back up, even the blue ones. Just a couple of weeks ago, California Governor Gavin Newsom said this. It's uh, it's difficult uh, to imagine a stadium that's filled until we have immunity, until we have a vaccine. Uh, it's difficult for me to imagine what the league broadly leagues do uh, when one or two of their uh, key personnel or players are tested positive. Well, now after Arizona and Florida and Texas have announced that pro sports can return, he said this. Sporting events, uh, pro sports uh, in that first uh, week or so of June without spectators and modifications and very uh, prescriptive conditions uh, also can begin uh, to move forward. In Wisconsin, Governor Tony Evers said he's giving up any plans to keep his state closed down after a judge struck down his stay-at-home orders last week. In Minnesota, the Catholic Conference and the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod announced they'll be resuming in-person worship services in that state despite the governor's continued executive order disallowing churches from meeting with more than 10 people. Governor Tim Walls has previously said malls and retailers like the Mall of America could operate at 50% capacity. The Illinois State Police announced this week they will not be enforcing part of Governor J.B. Pritzker's coronavirus orders. In North Carolina, a judge struck down Governor Roy Cooper's continued rule barring churches from meeting together. In New Jersey, police showed up to a gym that had reopened against state guidelines. Normally, you are all in violation of the executive order. On that note, on that note, have a good day. Everybody be safe. And a few universities, including the University of Notre Dame, have announced they'll be meeting in person for class this coming fall semester. Before I get to the first question, uh, a, a private uh, group text that I'm in with some friends of mine around the country, I won't give you the names because there's like members of Congress involved in this. So this is where we're just very, very honest with each other. All right. This is something that we were uh, that was in our group text this morning. I'm not going to tell you who sent this. I'm just going to read it to you. The virus can travel six feet it cannot travel six feet one or greater. It can live on all surfaces except anything that comes in the mail from Amazon. It does not live in Target, Walmart, Home Depot, Lowe's, or any grocery store. It is only deadly in bars, restaurants, small businesses, hair salons, and especially churches. And it cannot live on your food as long as you get it to go. It's only de- And it's only deadly in 75% of restaurants, except when it's only deadly in 50% of them. But only in certain parts and in certain counties, while other counties, it's perfectly fine. It's like the theory of relativity. It's just beautiful to behold. (laughs) So now that all 50 states claim to be doing some form of reopening, Eric, I'm going to start with you. What do you think is the best state for reopening, the worst state? And then thirdly, what's the state that you can't figure out? So for me, this is totally going to be a location bias, I guess. And and this is this is not to say anything about uh, South Dakota. I mean that that state's uh, in a in a league of its own, and technically Iowa as well didn't uh, didn't have stay at home orders. So putting the states that didn't close down um, uh, kind kind of aside here, I, I really believe that uh, here in Iowa, actually, I'm pleasantly surprised 
with how things are going. Because the local media here have been the biggest uh, bunch of Karens, and I'm sure it's in the local media basically everywhere as well, the, the biggest group of Karens. And there was, there was a time there, and I think to some degree you and Todd thought the same thing as well, where mm-hmm. I was like, uh, she, Governor Reynolds, is going to go weak in the knees. No, in fact... In fact, we've had our most uh, deadly week from uh, COVID-19. I think it was just last week or or maybe the week before. And she's continued to relax restrictions and continue to relax restrictions. And I, I think something got to her at some point where she just decided, mm, I'm not going to, you know what, the, the risk of trying to be bullied by these IHME models and other models, the risk of being bullied by that uh, far outweighs the risk of uh, being shut down forever. So I'm going to call your bluff and start reopening. And she has reopened and continued to do so and has even uh, reopened some things ahead of schedule. So I think Iowa, actually our home state, just based on what we've seen here uh, locally and based on what it looked like might might, might have happened there. It looked like she might be going weak in the knees. It's actually been uh, a pleasant surprise. Worst state for reopening. I mean, it's got to be Michigan, doesn't it? I, I, I just, I can't imagine. As good as it's been to see Governor Reynolds reopen, and basically her message has been the same for the last two and a half, three weeks, uh, we got to learn how to live with the virus. Go be adults. Go be responsible for yourselves. That's been a great message to hear. Meanwhile, in Michigan, you know what? If you keep if you keep uh, protesting, we're just going to extend these lockdowns another three months or another three weeks or another two weeks. We're going to hit our... Like she's your mom. Today. Like she's... Yeah, yes. I cannot imagine... I cannot imagine. And I mean, I hear this from our listeners in Michigan as well. I, I can't imagine what it's like living there right now, where she is probably somewhat close to an ever-present reminder in their daily lives that I can't go to my favorite restaurant because of Whitmer. I can't do my favorite activity because of Whitmer. I can't do anything, basically, because of Governor Whitmer. I can't imagine that. And the condescending, the the typical progressive condescension, like you mentioned, like she's your mother, uh, that has got to wear thin very, very quickly. Uh, The state that I cannot quite figure out yet is California, uh, it, I don't know. It's it's just it Thursday seemed like it was they, cancel all the colleges. Yeah. Sunday it was the kids never go back to school without a vaccine. Exactly. Monday it was here comes the sports. Yeah. Tuesday it was and the movies are all coming back and <laughs> you start filming your TV shows. And uh, some of the right. you know the first serological the big serological studies came out of California and they were very very good. And then it seemed like yep. maybe a week or two later it's like oh, we can't do anything. And now two weeks later uh, from from that point it's uh, yeah pro sports can start up here in about a week or so. So I can't figure out California right now. And there's, we talked about this at length as well. I think it's Riverside County is, uh, you know, their, their sheriff is not going to, he announced this a couple weeks ago, not going to be enforcing any stay at home orders or things like that. Meanwhile, in San Francisco, he still can't be out on the streets. It's, it doesn't, uh, it's a big state. I guess maybe you can chalk it up to that. All right. Todd, quickly go. 
Uh, Florida, probably from beginning to end, and now the uh, gravy on top from uh, Governor DeSantis, the theater that he's willingly participating in to uh, mic drop. I absolutely uh, love it. I'll give the worst. But he's got to open those bars, otherwise he's going to get sued. Oh, uh, he's getting threatened with a, a bar lawsuit right now, it, but otherwise you're right. Yeah. It's a common. Uh, yeah. The worst, for the same reasons, is California. They could have had the best. They know they've got the protections of the weather, and they're going to virtue signal anyway. They should have just mm-hmm. winked and nodded, just said, we're getting back to business and then say all the right things they can't even do that right and then the one i don't get a state with a lot of republican uh backbone normally but kentucky what you doing with that governor why why hasn't he been tarred and feathered by now Mm -hmm. this is really you're you're gonna go down with this guy Nah. Back to what Aaron was saying about our governor, Kim Reynolds, and, and, and the the virtue signaling and the caring from the media. They're really struggling, too, because it, it, because they're not, they have a female governor. We have a female governor here. And so they're trying to care in her. And I'm, I'm not a proponent of identity politics in any level. But in this case, I have to say it has been humorous to watch as they're trying to care in her as a woman. And beca- it's almost like because she's a woman, she understands that this is BS because it's like her peer group. And so she said things we can't get male governors to say. Like when, when, when Aaron said, hey, when, when quoted her saying, it's a virus. We're never going to get rid of it. It'll be here forever. We have to live our lives and be responsible. I mean, it, that's something a female governor says to the media and they not, they're not really sure to react because, you know, uh, she's part of their intersectionality chart. Uh, if a white male governor says that, well, you know, I mean, that's your lead uh, lower third on CNN. Uh, tonight. What do you think, Sarah? Uh, I would say Georgia handled it the best, in my opinion, just because imagine how much pressure, you know, you have on you when you're Brian Kemp and you've even got the president. You've got all of your own people. That last part for me is why he would be number one. When the president in your own party is dunking on you in Mm -hmm. your own media and you still hold firm, I'd put him number one. And I will I will refer back to uh, the the greatest thing I've ever heard you say, I think, Steve, which was that you wanted to mail a pair of underwear to Brian Oh, yes. That was extra, extra, extra large. large I was going to do a little in, in, inscription. This is for your balls. Yeah. I yeah. was like, that sums yeah. it up better than anyone could ever sum it up. So I would say Georgia uh, handled it the best. Um, the worst, I would say, I, I agree with Todd, California, uh, because, you know, for a lot of the reasons that Aaron mentioned, uh, you know, they, they can't seem to figure it out. There's no rhyme or reason. They just arbitrarily decide these, these ridiculous things with nothing to back it up. And I, really, I guess they want their citizens to get rickets rather than get coronavirus virus from lacking vitamin D. Yeah. You can't go to the beach. Oh, but if you go to the beach, you can't sit. You know, I mean, it's just it, there, no, nothing makes sense in any of their regulations. Uh, and then I would say for I can't quite figure out, I would say Minnesota because, uh, you know, they've got these this policy that just came out. I read a news story that said that they're still implementing the policy that's gotten Andrew Cuomo in trouble. Mm-hmm. 81% of their deaths have been in nursing homes and mm. they're still uh, implementing that policy which makes no sense. And then, of course, they have the ban on uh, large gatherings in churches, but not in restaurants. So you're allowed to go stuff your face with 50 people, not allowed to worship God with more than 10. It just makes no sense. Exit question. April was the month to battle the virus. May was the battle to reopen. What is June going to be, do you think, Todd? The battle to retcon. 
You mean people are going to line up to say, man, these lockdowns, I, I tried oh. telling you these were just stupid all along. Is that what you're talking oh, about? We, the last couple of days, have you heard the big thing? If we only would have done New York yep. one week earlier. Could have saved 36,000 lives or whatever. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Aaron, what do you think it is? I think it's the uh, battle to play ball. Essentially, I, I think, and I, I think that's just as just as uh, true as what Todd said as well. As soon as people start going back to the frivolous and good uh, distractions of the blessings of America, uh, people are going to start realizing, hey, life is kind of starting to get back to normal here. I can go to the beach. I can maybe go to a ball game if you live in certain states. Uh, I can watch things on TV that I haven't been able to watch for three months. Uh, people are going to start to realize, hey, we can go back to normal. This, this was the normal beforehand. This is exactly. kind of kind of the normal beforehand. And I think it's going to be that impulse that people are going to be like, uh, yeah, um, uh, this was never a big deal. I, I was against the lockdown. That's that, that's going to be the big talking. Right. I was always against the lockdowns. I think that's going to start becoming more and more common in June. I look forward to my inbox I look forward to being told I should have spotted this earlier. I want I'm, I want that to happen because it means we got our country back. Exactly. Sarah, what do you think June's going to be? I think it's going to be the battle of the narrative because I think you have a lot of people who don't want to be proven wrong on anything. And, you know, you have a mainstream media who just wants to all their focus is on is demonizing the president in an election year. And so I think it will be interesting to see the battle of the narrative in hindsight. Now that we have this information in, now that you cannot dispute the statistics and the facts that we have enough of this evidence rolled in, which way will the narrative shift and will, uh, you know, Donald Trump, for instance, use this as an opportunity to take the narrative back and, uh, you know, use it to his advantage or will the mainstream media win out in that? It's tough to say. All right. Let's quickly get to issue four as just a quicker as a, as a kicker, quick topic. What are you the most now that things are reopening? What are you the most looking forward to returning to quickly, Sarah? Uh, well, I would say the bars, but I've got at least four more months of not going to bars, <laughs> so I can't say the bars. So instead, I will say uh, letting the kids go out on play dates again. This socialization is in, I mean, it's human nature to mm-hmm. want to be able to socialize. The, our poor children, they don't understand why they're right. not able to socialize with their friends. And right. I am ready to get my kid out with other kids again. It's not fair to them. Todd, watching my daughters play soccer and run track. Aaron would really like to go to a Kansas City Royals game at some point. I mean, my my wife is a Royals fan. I've never been to a Royals game. I think that would be special. We've kind of been planning on doing that, but uh, not sure if we can. All right. Now that you told me that, just remind me later. There's a there's a, a, a fellow in the front office of the Kansas City Royals. that's a big time fan of this show. OK, Roger so that. when you want to go, I'll make sure you guys get hooked up. Oh, just remind nice. me that. That would be cool. Okay? I'd be good with right. that. Let's get to predictions, Sarah. Uh, So my prediction is uh, that Joe Biden will mysteriously come down with the coronavirus before the Democrat <laughs> National Convention and they will have no choice to replace him, but not with anyone other than Andrew Cuomo, ironically enough. And then they'll just go down in flames in November. Do you think they, they could also just try a six-month quarantine? They could. To keep him off the camera. Also that. Yeah. All right. What do you, what do you think, Todd, quickly? Prediction. Well, even though our governor has uh, allowed baseball and softball to come back this summer, remember, the school districts still have to vote on this. Those school boards are full of Karens. Uh, one, I predict one third to one half of all school boards in the state of Iowa will vote not to play. Aaron, when Major League, when I and if... I see that happening, by yeah. the way. Sorry, Aaron. Uh, when Major League, when and if Major League Baseball comes back to play uh, from the beginning of the season, now this won't be full capacity, but from the beginning of the season, there will be an allowance for some fans in the stadiums. 
Wow. I'm going to make an Anthony Fauci prediction, but I'm going to make an amendment based on a conversation you and I were just having during the break, Sarah. I'm going to predict the big question that has to be answered. If you go back and read what Anthony Fauci wrote in the New England Journal of Medicine on February 28th about coronavirus, everything we now know, he was right. And then on March 11th, he goes to Congress in the clip that you had there on loop, Aaron, that has become infamous now, to tell us that this is going to kill 10 times more people than the flu. The, I'm going to predict the big question that's going to unlock how we got here is the or the big answer that's going to unlock how we got here is the is to the question what transpired with Anthony Fauci between February 28th and March 11th who did he talk to what data point did he get that that's the question that has to be answered that's going to be the 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 Rosetta Stone to unlock a lot of the decisions that were made afterwards Sarah, thank you for coming and doing this today. Appreciate it. I'll see you later today on the News and Why It Matters. Yes. All right, we'll come back. Feedback Friday's coming your way with Hour 2 here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast in a moment. And we are back with Hour 2. Yep. Another and. Today's show is dedicated to the word and and another word that I can't say on the air. Back here with Hour 2 of the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. If you would like to let us know what you think about what we think, steve at stevedace.com is how you can do so. That's how you can email the program. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And the last name is D-E-A-C-E. And then don't forget, also, we could use all the five-star reviews we could possibly have because the more of those we get, they help the show to grow. So thousands of you have done this for us already please keep those coming wherever you choose to podcast from if you've got time today leave us a five-star review and you might say steve i've already done so but have you left seven or eight more that's the question that we're asking you today all right ask not what this show can do for you but what you can do for this show like 12 five-star reviews that's what you can do thank you all right let's get to feedback friday brought to you by gabby insurance we're all looking for ways to save money especially now when's the last time that you looked at how much you're spending every month on car insurance on homeowners insurance well now's the time to check out gabby and see about getting a lower rate for the exact same coverage you already have because gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples to apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like progressive nationwide and travelers just link your current insurance account and in about two minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have. Gabby's customers save $825 per year on average. If they can't find you the savings like they do for so many others, they'll let you know so you can relax knowing that you've already got the best rate out there. And best of all, they never sell your info, so no annoying spam or robocalls. It's totally free to check your rate, and there's no obligation. It takes two minutes, and you can do it right now to see how much you can save on your car and homeowners insurance go to gabby.com slash dace that's gabby.com g-a-b-i gabby.com slash dace gabby.com slash dace before we get to feedback friday a couple things i want to point out to you gentlemen i'm still in dallas i'll see you on monday you guys are back in des moines a couple of things illinois is a state that's had arguably the most ridiculous lockdown governor in the country right i mean i i can't i think every conservative in the state of illinois has emailed me in the last couple of months I don't know if you guys saw this announcement this morning. 
So, I mean, Ohio State here in the, our Big Ten footprint is the closest thing we have to an SEC football type of factory, right? So it's no surprise they come out, lead the way that they're going to reopen their, their their players are returning to campus. I think it's on June the 8th mm-hmm. uh, to get ready for the upcoming season, right? This morning, the University of Illinois announced its players are returning to campus on June 3rd. They're bringing their players back in Illinois even before Ohio State is with that ridiculous lockdown governor they have. And I saw you just tweet this almost the exact same time that I did, Todd. Anthony Fauci now lamenting that... Oh, that's uh, Aaron. To CNBC. I retweeted Aaron. Oh, I'm not going to take okay. credit for right. that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, as soon as I hit click, your, your tweet showed up in my feed like we saw it simultaneously. All right? Anthony Fauci to CNBC... The shutdowns can't go on for too long or they'll do irreparable damage. Uh, June is the month of retconning, like I said. This freaking guy, if you know what I'm saying, right? Then there's this freaking guy. Have you seen his underwear, Steve? (laughs) I mean... I'm telling you, we need to know the answer. Sarah and I were talking about this during the break last hour. Go back and read... I should repost it. February 28th in the New England Journal of Medicine, just about everything Anthony Fauci says about coronavirus is all confirmed with the data we even have as 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 of today. March 11th now, less than two weeks, he goes to Congress and says 10 times more people are going to die from this than the flu. What happened? Because what happened between February the 28th and March 11th. We, we, and here's why we need to know the answer to this. It's not, we can't just be content taking the win, getting your country back and moving on. Nope. Because we need to know what occurred here for when this happened, when they try this again. And then we need to know what occurred here for when something that does merit something really bad, something dramatic happening. In other words, we're going to walk out of this learning no lessons is my fear. We're going to, we're going to retreat to our normal polarization politically. And, and, and the next time that this happens, it could be a real threat. One side's going to say, we need to do even more lockdowns than we did before without looking at the data. Another side's going to say, well, this is just global warming 3.0, uh, coronavirus 2.0 without looking at the data. Because even though the IFR and CFR, we're now down to seasonal flu levels with this. It does, the people it does attack, it doesn't necessarily attack the way the flu does. So that doesn't mean we were never going to have to do any mitigation strategy. It just meant we didn't have to do any writ large mitigation strategy we didn't have to do any macro mitigation strategy but if, if you have somebody like a glenn beck here at the blaze who has autoimmune you know glenn's not concerned about coming to work during a normal flu season i've been here when he's been here during a normal flu season but 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 this attacks him differently than a normal flu does so somebody like him still might have had to do on an individual level um, a, a, a level of mitigation you typically wouldn't do during a flu season so even though the rates are the same as the flu it doesn't mean it attacks people the same way you know what i'm trying to say here yeah. that doesn't mean that no mitigation no precautions were necessary when we say they didn't have to lock down what we're talking about on our show is the macro quarantine lockdown of the american way of life that didn't have to happen i'm 100 percent convinced of it i bet my life on it that didn't have to happen i think it's, ahead, the answer is going to end up looking a lot like what we just found out about the flynn case it's it's going to be ugly we're going to read blatant things in the margins of fbi slash cdc notes passed back and forth uh under the table and it goes back 
to what we said about China way at the beginning of this thing. It was even before it came here. We talked about, you know, could you see China once they realized it really wasn't going to be that bad, then just turning to manipulating it for its own purposes. Right. Fauci did not think it was going to be that bad. But if this guy has it within him and let's, he's a Washington bureaucrat. I think most of them do. If he didn't at the beginning, you know, this is a Batman territory. You live long yourself. Uh, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And then I think, like, yeah, I can't stand this Fauci guy. I'm a Hillary donor. I'll put my thumbs on the scales. It's really not going to be that bad one way or the other, but let's play. I mean, I listen. I'm listening to the crazy voices in my head. If not him, somebody else. This thing is, like, I used the term before, earlier in the show, witchcraft. This has been demonic the way this country has been bamboozled. Demonic is absolutely, absolutely the right word. I mean, it's it's the it's the perfect or uh, imperfect conversion or convergence, I should say, of what happens when nefarious people or incompetent or some some combination of nefarious, incompetent, and malevolent forces in power conspire together to uh, uh, affect a group of people who no longer assent to to the transcendent uh hmm. to to a people who are no longer uh who who are who are more and more increasingly uh secular Th- this is what happens a complete and utter a complete and utter breakdown of trust of where to find truth of whom to trust of what institutions are actually out there that you can trust this is what happens we just witnessed this over the last 3 months now there are still people who do not want to be lied to who still want the truth but those numbers are fewer and fewer and i've said this like every week for the last probably month month and a half we would be where we are right now, like a month and a half ago, if we lived in a more healthy, functioning society. Right. But we do not. Right. right. We still may have done what we did in March, even with a healthy society. I mean, I, I, given what we didn't know or weren't sure that we knew, we still might have done that even with a healthier society. But Aaron is exactly right. Somewhere around early to mid-April, we, wouldn't be, we would have stopped doing it as opposed to still doing it in some places here uh, heading into Memorial Day weekend. The question we, and I'm, I'm going to actually go to some of my friends in Washington and say, hey, here's the question. We have to get an answer to this so that we are prepared in the future if they try to scam us again or if it's really serious. We have to know, folks. All right, this is the, this is the new question that, that I think is the focal point going forward. So the original question that I based all of my skepticism on from the beginning, looking at the data, was this question, you'll recall it, way back in mid-March. How do you flatten a curve if you don't know when the curve began? Because I was pretty convinced, just looking at the data, that this thing was here the entire time. It just didn't arrive in late February, the 1st of March. And if it was here the entire time, then we missed our window to stop it, and now we're, we're only doing damage to our way of life by doing these lockdowns. Here's the new question. What changed with Anthony Fauci between February 28th and what he wrote in the New England Journal of Medicine and what he said on March 11th in front of Congress that this was going to be 10 times the killer of the seasonal flu? What changed? What transpired those 11 days? Because if, if here's, here's the question, men. 
If Anthony Fauci went before Congress on March 11th and reiterated what he wrote in the New England Journal of Medicine on February 28th, would the country have shut down? Do you think the country would have shut down, Todd and Aaron, if he had just repeated what he said in the New England Journal of Medicine? Definitely not. No. No, it would not have. Would not have. Everything shut down after that testimony. That was what shut the country down. So we must know what changed. And we have to get the answer to that, no matter what it is. If, if the answer is bad data, if the answer is what Todd said, uh, it's, it's Flynn all over again. What, what, we must get the answer to this because we have to come out of this with some answers. We have to come out of this learning some lessons. And we can't be naive and we can't, and, and, and we can't be paranoid. We can't come out of this as Karens and we can't come out of this as oblivious. Because this is a fallen world. There are bad things going on in other parts of the world that they do live with and deal with all the time that kill people at a rate we would just be shocked if we had to live it through and, and see this in our own country. And, and so we need to know what's the filter in the future for what's a real threat and, and that where we do need to prioritize human life over our way of life. What is that? And then what's another scam? What's, what's the next Russian collusion, Ukraine collusion, impeachment, um, uh, 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 Julie Swetnick, uh, coronavirus? What is that? And I think to get that answer, we need to know what changed with Anthony Fauci between what he wrote for the New England Journal of Medicine on February 28th and what he said before Congress on March 11th. The, 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 the biggest benefit of the doubt, if I can interject here, the biggest sure. benefit of the doubt that I could say, you know what you talk about when it, when it comes to constituencies in elections, it's not about the slice of the pie, it's about the, the size of the pie uh, mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Well, when we're talking about CFRs, IFRs, infection fatality rates, case fatality rates, we're talking about a slice of the pie. Maybe he's thinking that uh, because of the way that this virus spreads, that the pie is a lot larger. Uh, now, that's not what he said. Definitely. That's not the way that he said that in the congressional testimony. He still mm-hmm. was comparing it to the same pie, you know, with the mm-hmm. flu, the seasonal influenza. But you get what I'm saying. Maybe he's sure, saying things saying. Yeah. as uh, this. This is going to be a much bigger pie than what seasonal flu is. That's the only benefit of the doubt that I can. Uh, what you're what I of. hear you saying, correct me if I'm wrong. What I hear you saying is that since he thought this was far more infectious than the flu. Correct. It would kill more people than the flu. Precisely. Right? That's right. That could be an argument, except he he used the phrase case fatality rate. Because even that that becomes relative in the math, if you know sure, what I'm saying. Sure. Because if, if what you're saying is true, the case fatality rate then still drops because there's always a correlation unless it's a special event like an Ebola or a Captain Trips. Mm-hmm. OK, there's always a correlation in virology between infection rate and case fatality rate. Or usually, I should say, I shouldn't say go f- so far as to say always, but it's usually the case. So if you're saying but he he's talked about a case fatality right there. If you're just saying, well, hey, it's, 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 it's case fatality rate is low, but it's going to infect a lot more people, so we're still going to see more death in the flu, that is, an, that is an interesting argument, and probably the numbers will bear that out. There's some merit to that, right? Okay? But that's not the argument, though, that he made, Aaron. I, I appreciate you trying to give him some benefit sure, of the doubt, sure. but he made a CFR argument. Mm-hmm. He, he did not make the, a broader, the broader uh, infection argument that you were talking about. So Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's, again... 
he can you would have to you would really have to be stretching to make the case that i just made because you're mm-hmm. right he is comparing the he is comparing one pie and saying that this pie is going to be the same size pie is going to have a larger slice of it so it's it would you you'd be having to do mental gymnastics to try to make the case that i just did so Let's get to Feedback Friday. Let's start with Dave Rustabaki. I think I pronounced that correctly. He says, of all this COVID shutdown stuff, guys, I want to, I got to get your answer to this. I, I'm, I'm fascinated at this um, thought experiment that David has sent to us, okay? And I want to get your answer to it. If all this COVID shutdown stuff had started at any other time, say the start of summer or Christmas season, do you think the public would have put up with it for so long? I've seen posts saying COVID don't ruin my summer and I have a hard time believing that the public would put up with them canceling football or Christmas. This happened at a time when people are often staying inside anyway. There's really not much outdoor activities going on well into March and around the country anyway. Outdoor sports don't usually start till well into April anyway. I think if there's another uptick in the fall, uh, people's reactions and, and, and their willingness to go through something like a shutdown again is going to look a lot different. What are your thoughts on that question? I have a tendency not to not to agree. There's there's one kernel there that that I think is true. And this this is the notion that, well, you know, it's it's convenient for me anyway. It's the dispelling of the notion that we're all in this together. There's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. It's convenient for me when I can actually work from home. It's that's convenient for me. It's we're all in this together as long as I can work from home and still get a draw a paycheck. So there is that kernel in there is true. The, the, the convenience part, people are staying inside anyway. But the vast majority of this was just uh, fear, wailing and gnashing of teeth. And uh, I think the reason why there won't be another uh, willingness to shut down in the fall is because once you the same way and we've, we've broken this down before the same way, once you allow the camel's nose under the tent to actually shut things down that same thing happens when you start to open things back up and i i just cannot imagine businesses and people just being willing to go through that again todd what do you think if this had happened at a different time of year might we might we have had a different outcome with the tolerance for a massive shutdown i i don't think so i think Mm -hmm. uh uh, i mean this is a thought experiment and i an important one but i mean this is seasonal, so it's it's taking it out of the context of the actual virus. But w- y- y- yes, if this would have hit, I mean, this hit right there with March Madness looming, and we and we set that aside. The NFL, I know it's the hundred pound gorilla, but have you seen what the NFL does with um, the virtue signaling on kneeling and things like that? You know, this that that that, pe- that organization is staffed by a bunch of uh, Karens in its own right on on many levels. They're, I, if this happened right then, the NFL would have absolutely uh, shut down for I don't know how long. And maybe it would have been just been a couple of weeks. Maybe it wouldn't have been a, a month. But I don't I don't think the NFL would have been immune to it. Fascinating. All right. This next one requires no commentary. I just I thought it was cute and I liked it. Uh, thought you guys would appreciate this. This is from Ariel. Our church was open Sunday and no one was wearing masks, but there were folks wearing accepting hug buttons. Oh. I like that. I just wanted to share that. Anita writes, I just wanted to say thank you for you guys' show. I work in the social services field in Philadelphia. Everyone in this office is a lefty. I think I'm the only conservative. When this lockdown started, I was afraid. I listened to the panic porn. Then I started listening to you guys daily, and I cannot tell you how much you guys saved my sanity. I feel like I work with zombies. 
<laughs> try to offer a different opinion on the virus, but they all have Trump derangement syndrome. That's the real virus here. Yes. They will not listen to any reason or common sense. My one coworker friend is a nurse in Philadelphia, and she mentioned something interesting. The doctors and nurses are not worried about the virus coming back in the fall, but they are concerned about the flu season. They've taken down the medical tents and hospitalizations have fallen dramatically. Thank you to each and every one of you. Anita, this goes to, I mentioned earlier that uh, Daniel Horowitz and I were, were breaking down these CDC numbers and reconciling them with what the, like the gal uh, Sunitre uh, Gupta at Oxford uh, put out yesterday. And part of that conversation, Daniel said to me, guys, he said, um, I, I think there's, a, there's, there's, there's still a segment of our society that no amount of math, no amount of data will will satisfy them they 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 just want this to be happening on their watch they they need to be caring here they 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 need to be panicked and i i told him it it it, it, what i heard him saying to me was a little bit like christian apologetics for every person that things like the ability to defend the textual integrity of the new testaments um origins and things of that nature for every person like a josh mcdowell who does the research and and is converted by that i think there's there's hundreds that you can present all that information to and it's not going to move them one bit and that most of the time that kind of apologetics doesn't lead to conversion as much as confirmation meaning that for those of us who are already converted it gives us confirmation that that there's reason for our faith and we can go out now and try to influence others with it and defend it in a way that we don't get embarrassed but i i i don't think there's a lot of people moved by the by the argument that we have a lot more original copies of the new testament than we don't have of homer's iliad and the odyssey I find it fascinating as a believer, but I don't think many non-believers would find that as a, well, maybe I'll look at this Christianity thing differently. Because most, most of the time, the reason you're not a believer has nothing to do with a lack of information or a lack of data. It has everything to do with um, a, a lack of want to. I don't, I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to give my life over to something other than myself. That, that's really why. There's a, uh, and that's similar to what I think Daniel is saying about yeah. the data that we're getting here from the virus. There's going to be, I think we all need to accept there's going to be a segment of our neighbors, friends, and family that there is, in fact, showing them the data will anger them yes. because you're taking their idol away. Yes. All right. And here's what you need to do with these people it, disengage, kick the dust off your sandal, and move on. That's what I would suggest. It, life is too short to waste another gray hair. I haven't read it yet, but I saw on Twitter, I think it's in the Daily Wire, but Abby Johnson wrote a story about how uh, the coronavirus is, is taking our humanity away. And yeah, she's I have, got it opposite. Yeah, I, she has it opposite. opposite. I mean, we, yeah. we had already lost our humanity, uh, and that's right. why we're handling this way. And this is, we're, we're straight in the middle of the Gospels now. You know, Jesus' temporal ministry, I mean, he is the Son of God. He is God incarnate. He's walking around healing people in various ways, people touching the hem of his garment. He's spitting in his hand, making some mud, putting in people's eyes. But remember, there's some. It's not happening. And Jesus just gives it all to the Father and says, this one only comes out through prayer, you know? In my temporal ministry with this guy, you know, it's it's there is just an invincible ignorance. They want to live here, and right it, and thus I put it in my father's hands. And it's because you're up against the spirit of the age. Yes, at that point, okay. Now, and that, by the way, that does not mean everybody that panicked over this 
was into the spirit of the age. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people that refuse to hear data that shows them they don't have to be afraid anymore. And not even, and, and, and by the way, that doesn't mean they have to agree with you right away either. They may say, well, I don't know. Let me check that out for myself. That's, I'm not talking about reason, discourse, and disagreement. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about unreasoned. I'm, I'm talking about an offense that you would dare tell me I'm safe. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, and how dare you take my fear? How dare you try to give me confidence and safety? And I view, that's the analogy that Todd is making. Where I view this, I view this being who is here to help me as a threat because in order for him to help me as to take away the very thing that's harming me the most, right? That's what we're up against here mm -hmm. in the final segment of this conversation. Is that what I heard you say? Correct. Yeah. And that's, I, I, it's, it's kind of like the, the spoiled child syndrome who's given everything, who has a great life, does not realize though, because they just haven't faced the real world yet, does not realize though that they are spoiled, that they have a great life and have just decided that uh, mom and dad are bad because I feel bad and I'm, and I'm angsty. That it's kind of the, the spoiled teenager, the spoiled child syndrome is what we're describing here. I have just made a decision that uh, that I don't have a good life, even though all of the information, all of the, my surroundings say the opposite. Doug writes, you've asked the question if we have reached a state of irreconcilable differences and the answers you all gave on the show that day were yes, without hesitation. If that is truly the case, then where do we go from here? Are there enough opponents out there that might be convinced that our to our side of the argument that uh, such that there could be a peaceful resolution to our divided republic? Or are we facing inevitable civil war if we want to preserve the republic? The, the, here's the thing. There's three groups of people predominantly in, in our culture today that I observe as someone who's paid to observe culture. There's, there's people that are committed to some vestige of traditional Americanism. And, 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 and within them, there's a lot of diversity. Christians, Jews, um, atheists, libertarians, uh, conservatives. That's not a uniform group. But, but within that group is some degree of commitment to traditional Americanism. And then there's the group of people that are, that are committed to undoing, the undoing of Americanism. And they're actually much more rigid and in lockstep with each other. There's far less diversity. They're the people you know, uh, claiming it. But there's far less diversity of thought. There's, far, there's not different strains of this, typically. It, they all say the same things and all have the same talking points. You'll get far different strains of things in, in, the, in the first camp. People committed to some form of Americana. And th these two groups are the minority. There's, there's more of the first group than the second one. There's more, now, neither one of them, though, are a plurality or a, or a majority. But if head to head, there'd be there would still be more of the people committed to traditional Americana than there would be people committed to destroying it. Unfortunately, though, even though that second group is the minority between the two, they're also in control of the media, academia, pop culture, etc. The largest group by far, and it laps the field of the first two, are basically sheep. And they will answer the, the siren's call of the shepherd that scratches where they itch at that time. And sometimes they answer our call and sometimes they answer the other, the other call. 
that group is not the quote-unquote swing voters. Within that group, is, 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 there is more diversity. Some are, the, some are people that are just uninformed and don't care. Others are people that have largely given up on the system. And so at the end, they just make up their mind and vote for whichever one they hate the least. I don't believe there's swing voters anymore. I do believe there's late deciders. That's what I would call that group. But there's not a lot of swing voters. I don't believe within this group, there's a lot of people that could be convinced. I think they can be motivated to side with us, but convinced of our argument, I don't believe there's a lot of people in that group. And that's why I think it's revival or bust. And so what you're really asking me, Doug, is what does bust look like? And it, if we don't see revival, a, a great awakening in America, then we're going we're gonna to see an existential conflict. I, I don't see how it is avoidable. I, I don't say it with glee. I don't say it joyfully. I'm not happy for it. But I, you know, similar to, I'm, I'm not happy when, uh, you know, a, a, an, an F5 hurricane, or I'm sorry, F5 tornadoes head into my hometown and my neighborhood's residential street either. But I, I can't ignore it, though. When I, when, when I hear what sounds like 35 trains coming at me at once, I still have to head to the basement and take precautions. If we don't see that kind of revival, we're heading to a place of divorce, I believe. What that divorce looks like? You go your separate ways, or we absorb you, or one worldview ends up taking the other one out. Is, is another civil? I don't. That I don't know, and I'm not smart enough to know, and I don't know that anybody knows that. But you're heading towards divorce without a revival, because this this can't survive. And it goes back to what Todd said a minute ago about what Abby Johnson wrote for the Daily Wire. This did not take down our humanity; it revealed the state of it. Yeah, we are we are divorced. This is a civil war. There's no a coming anymore. And this we've said this before coronavirus on this show. Uh, it's only been confirmed because of coronavirus, which is why you can't just hope for. I can't wait till it gets back to normal. Normal sucked in many respects. It was lazy. <laughs> it was stupid. It was slothful. It was all of the seven deadly sins. If you go back to normal, you're going to lose this civil war. Yeah, it's either uh, bullets or Bible. Bullets or Bibles. That's that's basically uh, the, the path that we're on right now. Or maybe both. Hey, could, you just wrote Media Matters headline for them later today. Uh, Aaron, well done. You're welcome. Well done. It's D-E-A-C-E. <laughs> Actually, I thought it was M-C-I-N. Never mind. Never mind. All right. Yeah, my name's on the, on, the, on the masthead. You're right. We'll come back. More Feedback Friday here in a moment. Stay tuned. honest since the lockdown started how all right let me just put it bluntly are you doing that quarantine 15 that everybody's concerned about well now that the warmer weather is here not to mention it's freedom friday we had mark meckler on yesterday from open the states several of you are already sending me pictures you're going out with your families uh you're being americans again i'm just telling you with the data that's out here today with that our cdc is finally telling us and correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, I, I believe that data is actually through late April, I want to say. The CDC data? That they're finally sharing with us? Mm-hmm. It's actually only through late April. Yeah. Folks, what do you think the updated data is going to show? 
get out, get out of your homes, get active. All right. And then there's, but there is still the, the input component of losing weight and getting healthier. And that's where Riduzone comes in. It's the only FDA accepted product that includes OEA. That's the naturally occurring molecule that helps you to feel full faster while burning stored fat so that you can reduce your calorie intake. And Riduzone makes it easier to resist those cravings because exercise and activity uh, only goes so far when it comes to losing weight. It goes a lot further when it comes though to your overall health. And that's why you want to use Riduzone because it's much more about how much you're eating, get those portion sizes and cravings under control and if you use the promo code steve you can save up to 65 percent off your first order right now 65 percent off your first order when you go to riduzone.com that's r-i-d-u-z-o-n-e did i mention they'll throw in free shipping too r-i-d-u-z-o-n-e for riduzone.com steve speaking of getting out i do not want you to leave dallas unless you get confirmation about our smoldering ash tour Oh, I need to ask about that. Yeah, you yes, do. Yes, I do. Yeah. All right. Thank you for reminding me about Road that. Road trip. Yes. <laughs> Miles McElroy says, I appreciate your na- analogy of this to a cultural Pearl Harbor, but I think it could even be more of a cultural Vietnam, a use of power that is intended for emergency purposes to fight an immediate threat, but instead goes on forever. I believe we've entered that stage now. The mayors and governors that have continued to lock down measures are no longer fighting an immediate threat. They're exercising their power because they can. If there aren't protests and if the people don't rise up to combat this, the war will go on indefinitely. I think that had the chance to be true about a month ago, Miles. But yep. I, I, I think the the hay's out. The horse is left. The horse, came, by the way, the horse is out of the barn. Horse came back to the barn, ate all the hay, left. You put the hay back in. Horse came back a third time, ate that hay too. That's where we're at with this right now. I mean, it, it's over. It's over all over the country. It's just it's going to be. It's going to reach finality. Some places. Uh, sooner or later than others. Um, and I, I just go back to what I said at the top of the hour. I've gotten more complaints about the Illinois governor than any other governor in America from our audience. And the University of Illinois today announced it is sending its players back to campus to get ready for the college football season five days earlier than even Ohio State is. And remember remember when Ohio State announced June 8th a few days ago and people went, oh, I can't believe it, jaws dropped. I, now everybody's now everybody's trying to get their kids back to campus earlier than Ohio State is. And then you have the other story with Anthony Fauci now. Well, I mean, these lockdowns, a permanent lockdown, uh, it does irreparable damage. Or long, no, it was a, a, the long down, if the lockdown is too long, it does. Trump said yesterday, if there's another second wave in the fall, I'm not, we're not shutting the country down again. So I, I think that horse has already left the barn. We, this, this is, we won this. Um, it's just going to the it, it, in the war. There's a story. I think it's the, from the war of 1812. Where the, the British had already signed off on surrendering to us. Todd, correct me if my history is wrong on this, but I believe the British had already signed off on a surrender. And, the, and, the, and it took so long for word to get to Andrew Johnson fighting down in, in, in Louisiana. Yeah. that he won the Battle of New Orleans correct. after the war of 1812 was over. Is that right? That's okay. actually correct. Yes. All right, that's what that's what this is going to feel like. Classic Dacian War of 1812 reference right here. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, come come for the plaid shirts, stay for the War of 1812 commentary. Yes. <laughs> Who needs Dennis Miller when you have the JV version? Correct. Absolutely. I mean, he would have moved on to the Crimea, Crimean War by now. 
and a charge of the light brigade reference. What are they doing in Grenada about now? <laughs> but that's that's what that's a good analogy to what this is going to feel like. If if you're if you live in Illinois or some of these places, you're probably going to feel like you're still fighting the Battle of Orleans when the war is over. And in other places closer to where the surrender, the armistice was signed, you're going to feel it. Like Virginia, I'm, I'm going to predict if you live in Virginia. You're going to be one of the last places to get word, is is what I think, because I think that governor is is it, and, and and the thing is, he doesn't have a film industry or or a lot of major league sports that that reigns in an Andrew Cuomo and a Gavin Newsom, who they like they would like to be Ralph Northam, they'd like to be, but ultimately they can't nuke their own states, they can't do it. Hell, Andrew Cuomo was talking about reopening while they were still having peak hospitalizations in New York. Remember that? Even Andrew Cuomo was like, I, I don't think we can stay shut down forever. He knows this. Tourism is one of the biggest industries he has. Same thing with California. Virginia, they got a little bit more luxury there uh, to, to carry on. And so I, I predict that will be like your, the Battle of Orleans will be a kind of a state like a Virginia is what I think you'll see. Were you guys going to say something back there? Go ahead. Man, I can't. I can't overcome a War of 1812 reference, man. You better go on. So we're just going to pass. Drop. Just going to pass. All That's right. We're going to pass. Drop. Julie writes, considering all the reports of Google and Apple developing ways to track and enforce social distancing, how incentivized are we to submit to testing? I'm leaning towards defiance, but your message of defiance coming from the darkness is interesting. Well, here's the thing. The act of defiance, civil disobedience is is a derivative of this, actually comes out of Judeo-Christian moral teaching. But a spirit of defiance is different, meaning that I, I am looking to rebel against authority. God is a God of order. He puts authorities in place for order. So just uh, just a, a, a desire to not accept any order whatsoever as a general sentiment, an anarchy, that, that, that's outside the realm of a... That, that's, that moral chaos is, is at, from the enemy. That's what I mean by a spirit of defiance. And how I would choose, Julie, to redefine this, I would reject the binary choice of conformity versus defiance, and I would put it instead in the context of justice versus injustice. Justice versus injustice. Meaning, because now we're getting into the motivations for the action. I may not agree with your action, but what's the motivation behind it? In, in, in Christian ethics, motivation reigns. Motivation is kind of the key to everything. Because that's, that's ultimately a heart worship issue. And so when we look at public policy, we should be looking at motivation. That's not the same as intention. Well, Steve, that sounds like leftists who say, well, you know, they have good intentions. Motivations don't look at your intentions. Intentions are what you meant to do. Results are what you actually did. Motivations are to whom or what did you do this for? For example, if, if, if I earnestly believe I can use the state to eradicate poverty, and then the data comes in after I gave it a good go for billions and trillions of dollars and shows I can't, you can make a mistake. What happens if, if your motivation was that when you see that, hey, this is not the way since my motivation is to eradicate poverty and I can see this action isn't doing it. I will stop this action and seek out a new one that may satisfy my motivation. That's not what happens with American leftists and progressives. 
they see the data that this isn't working and say, well, we that's just because we haven't done it enough. We haven't spent enough. We haven't had put the right people in charge. Why? Because their intentions may be, the intention may be to eradicate poverty, but the motivation is to empower the state. And that's why when faced with their own mistakes, the answer is always to empower the state every time. We had this on our overtime yesterday. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, go get it. BlazeTV.com slash days. The comments Joe Biden made yesterday that we can use the virus as a force majeure to remake American society. And he mentioned that the reason we need to do that, one of the reasons was previous human failure. Well, if human failure is why society needs to be remade, why does Joe Biden think human striving and endeavor will work this time to remake it right? Why, why are these humans better than the other ones? See, the reason he just wants to double, triple, quadruple down on the same stratagem that's failed for a generation or more is because ultimately the motivation here is to, is to empower the state. That the state is God. And that's why you can't show that worldview. You can't show them you're not helping poverty. You're not, you're not, you're not, you, didn't, you didn't educate all these kids. We've got 90 plus percent of eighth graders in Detroit, almost all of them black, who couldn't pass an eighth grade reading or math assessment test from the federal government, man. This isn't working. If you show it to them, they'll either ignore it or they'll tell you, well, it just means we need more money and more government. Because the, the, motiva- the intention is not always the motivation. People can do, make great mistakes with the right motivations. And if you show them that this was the wrong way to go about satisfying their motivation, they'll say, oh, well, I guess that didn't work. I guess we need to do something else. When they stick with whatever has proven to not work, now you know that really whatever they state their intentions are, that's their true motivation. Greg Myers writes, what are your odds Trump wins all 10 of these states I want to get you guys' answer to this one. What are your odds Trump wins all 10 of these states with an F grade from IHME for social distancing? All right. Um, the bottom 10, Georgia, North and South Carolina, Tennessee, Ohio, Alabama, Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Mississippi all received F scores. What are the odds Donald Trump wins every one of those states? What do you guys think? If it weren't for North Carolina, I would say basically 100%, right? I will say this. Is it Rory Cooper? Is that the Democratic well, yeah, governor Roy down there? Yeah, Rory Cooper. Roy Cooper. I'm sorry. He's doing a hell of a job. He's doing a hell of a job right now helping Donald Trump get the vote yeah. out in North Carolina this November. When, when Donald Trump wins North Carolina in November, man, he needs to send a cookie bouquet to Governor Cooper because he's he is he is lighting Trump's base more than Trump is right now in North Carolina. Uh, I'll go as high as 70 percent. Uh, which I mean, this day and age is. Basically like saying 100%. Yeah, I like That's it. as close to certainty as totters and gets it nowadays. Yeah. Right? Is about 70% on something. I, I, the crazy voices in my head allow for a lot of alternative universes. Robin Dodds writes, I keep trying to war game this COVID-19 thing in my mind, wondering if the Chinese are making an underhanded power play because tariffs were too much for their country to bear. And regardless of the cause, where does the USA end up in the end? Are we becoming a tyrannical socialist government? Are we the new China? Are we going to split apart or is civil war on the horizon? What was once unimaginable now seems quite plausible. I answered a variation of this question earlier, so I'll throw this one. uh, This has some more specifics to it, but I'll toss this one back to you guys there. What do you guys think? Uh, we're making the Balkans great again. That's where we are. <laughs> nice. This nice. Well, you have identified 
the correct, very slippery slope of where things have gone, are in the process of going, or will go, unless there is the kind of course correction that we've been talking about in regarding uh, other letters. China clearly understands an unapologetic way of pushing buttons after it got its own buttons pushed by Trump uh, for several years. So the game is that you're talking about is clearly afoot. Hmm. Kaylee says, please forgive me for my ignorance, but I do not understand why we are asking for permission to open a business. My husband and I own a small pet grooming business here in Bend, Oregon. We are fortunate enough to not be on the shutdown list, but I planned on continuing to offer our services regardless of a governor's order anyway. Is there something I'm missing about the private business debate? I'm afraid to say let us work when the government could easily let us work with government's help. Should we frame the argument a different way? Yes. That's why today is Freedom Day, Kaylee. Today is the day to say enough is enough especially with all the most recent data that is out there. And, and, and the, for the, this, by the way, the CDC now giving us the data that they haven't been giving us this whole time, after they put out those ridiculous guidelines to reopen schools, everyone there, ought to, everyone there making decisions ought to all be fired, starting with Redfield, fire them all, okay? But, but back to what you said, Kaylee, yes, that's why today is Freedom Day, and it's enough, and you know a, why you know why you need the government's permission because you decided you did that's why and now it's time to decide that you don't and there's there's a there's people who are letting you down who should have your back i uh with the start of baseball and softball here spring soccer and track tennis golf were not allowed to happen and they were explicitly told oh by the way you're also not going to get any sort of alternative season within the summer which was absolutely a possibility and I've got some coaches coming to me because they see what I'm doing on my timeline and asking me for help and ideas, but they're kind of standing alone. And I say, you have coaches organizations for your sports and there is just an echo. To the, no one's saying anything. Why are they not coming to your aid? You pay dues for that. Similarly, this small business, you have a chamber of commerce, uh, schools, teachers are lamenting all oh, the cost of kids not being, where are the teachers unions? They're not begging this to come back. This is a problem. The agencies that many of you are part of that, that should be serving you, you got to start asking questions. Who are I in the tank for? Steve said this many times in the past about the chamber of commerce and what it's really about. But all of you, are the, the how you come together, the common voice that you have and share so that you aren't out there on a limb by yourself, what have they been doing for you in all this? Where have they been standing? Or have it's been just this and figuring out where it is like almost everybody else? It's well said. Very well said. All right, gentlemen, we got about two minutes left here. Final thoughts. By the way, total hospital is total new hospitalizations. I'm looking at this chart from the White House right now. Down to 21,000 total new hospitalizations in America. Why is why is not everything open? Why, why I just saw that chart from on the TV screen in here. Debbie Burks put up twenty one thousand seven hundred and ninety seven new hospitalizations in a country of three hundred and thirty one million guys is nothing. It's absolutely nothing, guys. Nothing. Uh, well, they just canceled the Minnesota State Fair. That happens two weeks before, or Nothing no, the, the out, week the, before Labor before, Day. Yeah, before Iowa. Nothing outdoors should be canceled. I, I mean, literally nothing. Well, 
yeah, nothing. Nothing outdoors should be canceled. I was going to come up with something that, you know, I just don't like to go to and rip on it, but I'm, I'm feeling generous today. All right, final thoughts back there in Des Moines, gentlemen. What do you think? The Karens did not just get snapped away. They're still there. That's, and we're going to keep running into similar problems. They got a great taste of blood that they loved. So be wary of what uh, is coming forward, even if you get your football games back. We are going to stick around and do our best and worst of the week for some overtime here on Blaze TV. Uh, that's blazetv.com slash dace if you want to watch it or subscribe to Blaze TV so you don't miss it later today. For the rest of you, we're off Monday like all of you are for a great Memorial Day weekend. Uh, see you on Tuesday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.